For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Over 5 million people play football in the USA and here to bring it to you in the raw, uncut, unadulterated is the undisputed number one sports show in Atlanta and abroad. 100 yards of football live from headquarters. It's more than a game, more than a show. It's where football blends culture, economics, and society. Tap in, tune in, and lock in to 100 yards of football now. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome to 100 Yards of Football. And tonight is our legend segment. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we got a, a legend, a, a, a Georgia Savannah legend, an Atlanta Falcon legend, and an NFL legend, Andrew Province. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, Bobby. You're too kind. You're a true legend. Oh, listen, that's too bad. You know, I'm I'm just thrilled to have time with you. <laughs> well, listen, man. Um, you know, you and I go way back in the day. You know, you were a rookie in 1983, which was my third season, and so we were pretty much puppies at the same time growing up in the league. But um, we got a lot to talk about. Okay. So, so let's start with it, man. I mean, you you know, you came to uh, you were a third round draft choice out of the University of South Carolina to the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, what, what was your position? Were you considered a nose guard or a tackle, D-tackle coming out? <clears throat> yeah, tackle. Uh, I, I think what happened was, uh, I mean, this is a whole nother story, I guess. Mm-hmm. When, when when you think about my, my rookie year, the year I was drafted, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the, the final roster. And back, at, back then, I think it was only somewhere between 49 and 45, 49-man roster. Right, uh-huh. There were 16 or 17 rookies on that final roster. Oh wow, man, amazing! Yeah. Yes, and um, and so that all all that to say is that the new coaching staff had switched from a from a three four defense to the four three. So I, I was brought in as, as a four three tackle. Man, that's all. Hey, listen, it's hey, listen, it's it's amazing. I got to ask you some questions because I know how it was for me, and I got to ask you some questions because when I came to Atlanta in 1981. You know, the team was kind of like an old team, right? I mean, you had Barkowski, you had the Wallace Francis, you had Alfred Jenkins and, <clears throat> and no, Mike Ken, all those guys were dra- Warren Bryant. They're all drafted like in the mid-70s. 
you know, and we came at the turn of the 80s. I came in 81, you came in 83. Right. I mean, was it like a culture shock to you um, from college into mm-hmm. the NFL, especially with the older group of guys? Yes, it, it was a it was a big culture shock, mm-hmm. and um, and I mean, the, the I was so thrilled to be drafted by the Falcons, and mm-hmm. and re- really don't know why they were making so many changes that training camp because your team had been so successful mm-hmm. the five or six years prior to '83. Mm-hmm. And I thought, my goodness, the, the Falcons. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you mentioned Warren Bryant. I, <clears throat> when I visited the Falcons locker room for the first time, I, I walked by his locker mm-hmm. and saw a pair of his shoes. <laughs> and I almost turned the contract in and went home that day. <laughs> hey, listen, for y'all who don't know, and most of you don't know, the gentleman he's talking about, offensive lineman, right tackle from Miami Beach, Florida, who played college at Kentucky. Matter of fact, we just lost him last year, almost a year ago now. Um, he wore size 18 quadruple E shoe. So think about that. Like four times wide and a size 18. <laughs> I had never seen a, a shoe like that on a real person. <laughs> that, that's amazing. So now, but when you came in, though, you came from a pretty good college program. You know, you played at South Carolina, who two years previous of your, your senior year, you had the Heisman Trophy winner on your team, George Rogers. Right. You know, you had some great players because I mm-hmm. I, I think it was your it had to be your freshman year, Andrew. Um, we played you guys um, in Tallahassee. We were both undefeated, um, South Carolina and Florida State. And um, um, George Rogers was running the ball. And, um, um, and that was an experience all in, all in itself to play against a monster like George, man. He, he was an amazing player. So were you on that team that year in 1981? <clears throat> yeah, I, I was a, I was, well, actually, let me see. That was 1980, right? That was 1980. 79, 79. 79, that's right. That's and right. That, that was my, that that was my freshman year. Okay. And I, I did get to travel. I, I wasn't playing, playing mm-hmm. much. But just uh, soak, soaking that in, be, being in your, your stadium. Mm-hmm. And, and George almost did not play that night <clears throat> because back in those days, you would turn all the lights off in, in the stadium <laughs> and you would bring the Seminole warrior in on his, on his horse with a flaming spear. <clears throat> <clears throat> and I, I was standing right beside George Rogers on the sideline and that that warrior put that spear in the ground, and, and George just looked around and said, "I, I, I am not in the right place." He said, I, I. You know, it's, a, it's amazing. He shared that story with me. I, man, he had me crying in tears, man, when he, when he told me that story. But man, what, what what a great player! I mean, you had some great players on that team. I remember the tight end Willie. Um, oh, yeah, Willie Willie Scott. Willie Scott. Um, if I hear right, did he just passed not long ago. He he, he did. Yes. Wow, that's amazing, man. That's, yeah, that's we're we're losing, losing too many. We're losing a lot. You know, I played golf with him maybe about, I'm, I'm going to say two, maybe three years ago in a golf tournament. And i never forget in the game, um, standing next to um, Willie. And I've never seen a, a, a tight end that big in my entire life, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm probably at the time, Andrew, about 145, 150 pounds, right? <laughs> And, you know, he's a real man in college, right? So I was like, whoa, ho- hopefully yeah. I don't have to tackle him tonight. But, yeah, yeah but you guys played some really good ball at South Carolina. And um, t- tell me your experience um, in-, in college. 
yeah, yeah. We we did play good ball with, when we weren't playing Florida State. <laughs> <laughs> because I think the, the two times that we played Florida State mm-hmm. d- during my uh, time at South Carolina, I, I think you guys, I th- it was probably like, a hundred, a hundred to, to combine, combine points. Wow. But anyway, <clears throat> you know, I, I grew up in, in Savannah mm-hmm. and uh, at the time, South Carolina was the closest major university to, to Savannah. It was about a, a, 140 miles mm-hmm. un, under three hour drive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, and my, my brother was my older brother was an offensive lineman. He was a team captain and MVP. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually George, <clears throat> George Rogers actually said that um, r- running behind my brother mm-hmm. uh, gave him confidence that he could do this college thing. Wow. wow and, that's uh, amazing. He was, but yeah, he was very much a, a run block mauler type player. Wow. And, wow. And, and my, you know, my sports, he was my sports idol, my older brother. That's cool. And then, although I was recruited by other schools, he's he's the main reason I chose South Carolina. And he became the first uh, full-time strength and conditioning coach uh, right, right after I arrived. So, oh, wow, okay. You know, you're, I know weight weightlifting doesn't always translate onto the football field, but mm-hmm. is I was always big into the weights, and, and that that was due to my brother also. Well, I tell you, I remember when you I remember how strong you were when you when you. When you came in as a rookie, how, how much you bench back in '83? Uh, oh, I mean, it, it was probably maybe right around 500, or yeah. maybe a little under. Right, I, I remember you were right around there. You know, because I, I only know like a handful of guys in my life to ever bench 500, and it was you, Jesse Tuggle, and and then um, Ron Simmons when I was in college. Ron Simmons was a f- over 500 pound bencher. And then a guy who played at the University of Florida, who I played in the high school all-star game with, named Doc Lucky. I remember Doc Lucky. Yeah, Doc Lucky was a five. I saw Doc Lucky in the, in the, in the Florida uh, high school all-star game. We all played on the South team, and and he was talking about he can bench 500. Mm-hmm. Of course, nobody believed him. And yep. he went in the weight room. They put 500 on the, on, on the bar, Andrew, mm-hmm. and he said this. He said, now what I want y'all to do he said, I want you to pick it up and ease it down. Just lay it on my chest. He said, just lay it on my chest. And so they picked it up. He had three spotters, two on the side and one in the back. They put it on his chest. Now, you know, and then he just lifted off his chest. I go, that's a strong guy right there, right? Yeah, yeah that's, that's dangerous. Amazingly <clears throat> strong. Amazingly yeah, and and you, you mentioned Ron Simmons. <clears throat> was he a real person? I, I thought he was a myth. I remember him. I was in high school. He was, he was he wasn't far. He was like a senior when I was a freshman. Right at Warner Robins High School, and I thought, my goodness, he 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 looked like a, a an action figure. Well, I'm gonna tell you, the guy was cut up. Oh yeah, Andrew. When, you, you know, you you had a you had a great physique. I mean, you were cut up, but this guy. I mean, we're in the same class. I mean, we were freshmen together, and I remember seeing him in the freshman locker room. And I'm down there getting my stuff in my locker. I'm the only one in the locker. And I see this big shadow come in my left. And I look, and it's Ron sitting there. He's in the locker. And I'm, I'm kind of confused because I'm going like, well, he's not a freshman. He, so I said, hey, man, the, the upper class locker room is over there. And he didn't say anything to me. 
And so he's still in his locker. I said, well, man, how old are you? He said, I'm 18. Oh, my <laughs> like, goodness. <clears throat> that guy was probably the most crucial recruit in Florida State history. Yeah. I don't yeah. care what time frame you're talking about. You know, we're, we're all in the same class at, at Florida State, but he was a guy who came in immediately as a freshman and not just play, but play like on an All-American level. You know, this guy was over a 500-pound bencher. I mean, he yeah. ran the 4-5-40, Andrew, and he, he would walk on campus as a true freshman. This is no joke. He would go on campus with no shirt on, and he, everybody stopped. The traffic would stop. You know, yeah. people driving down the street. The students would just stop in amazement. I mean, he was a big dude, man. Great athlete. Great athlete. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm, <clears throat> I want to say you know, there. I, I recently heard <clears throat> a former uh, pro wrestler, uh, Lex Luger, mm-hmm. share share his story. He's got an amazing story. Mm. I think he, there's a documentary out on him now, on the uh, WWE Legends. Okay, it, it's really worth watching. Wow. Well, yeah, and I think he might have been the one who encouraged Ron Ron Simmons to become a pro wrestler. To go into wrestling? Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. yeah. That's and he, amazing. he said he said, "Hey, this is a good deal here." And uh and he, I think he had a pretty Ron Ron had a great career. He had a great career. He really did. And, and and I don't know exactly what he's doing in wrestling now, but he's still in the game in some kind of way. Okay. You know, I, of course he don't wrestle anymore, but um, he's still, you know, got some business, whatever, whatever he does, you know, with them, he's, he's still doing it. But I tell you, he's just got that personality. I mean, he's always had that personality, you know, um, but w- w- what a great football player and what, what a, just what a great, what a, what a great guy. So, yeah. let's start. so Andrew, so your brother was the one who inspired you to play the game. Yeah. Cause actually, uh, <clears throat> I tried out for the for the county league, I think in fifth grade. I, I actually I didn't even try out. I went for the first day to mm-hmm. everybody weighed in, and I don't I don't you couldn't weigh over 110 pounds. Right, right. You had to do the paperwork and everything. But while everyone was getting getting all that done, a bunch of guys started a pickup game out on out on the field just mm-hmm. to, to kids, mm-hmm. and I got so scared and intimidated that. I, <laughs> I went straight to my parents' car and went home. I I, I didn't play football. <laughs> then, That's funny. Then, oh, I know it. But then with a sixth grade, uh-huh. one of my good friends for his his county team, the uh, the Savannah Bulldogs. Okay. He said, "You got to come. We need you." He said, right. "We need we need more linemen." And, and right. because I, I liked him so much, uh, I said, "Okay." <laughs> so I, I was a backup center. I learned how to snap wow. the ball. Okay. <clears throat> and then. Uh, and then my, my brother, my older brother, was really coming into his own at uh, Benedictine High School down in Savannah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I wore his number, n- number 60. Oh, wow. So you were always a lineman? Uh, y- yeah. My, my ninth grade year of high school, uh, I tried out for a tight end. And ap- okay. after one play, they moved me to defensive line. <laughs> Enough of that, right? <laughs> he just shook his head and said no. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's amazing, though, because what I, what I find out, Andrew, and I, I don't know what your, your your experience is with this, most of the guys that we played ball with uh, in college, I was amazed when I went to Florida State on our defense, I think we had about five guys who played quarterback in high school, right? And everybody is not just guys in the secondary. 
We had a defensive tackle who played quarterback. We had a middle linebacker, Paul Porowski, who played quarterback. Jeremy Millen was our defensive lineman who played quarterback. And, of course, we had me and Keith Jones in the secondary that played quarterback. And so I find out a lot of guys play different positions, right? Um, uh, I don't know if you, when you were in high school, did you play on both sides of the ball, offense and defense? But, you know, in South Florida, you know, you always put your best athletes on the field. So I know for me, I was a quarterback. I was a safety. I never played corner until I got to college. I was a safety. I was the punter. I was a punt returner. I was a kickoff returner. So the only time I went off the field was on the kickoff team. So I got one play off when we kicked the ball off, right? And then for extra points, I, I held for extra points in field goal. So what was your experience? Did you play both sides of the ball, though? I mean, it sounds like, Bobby, you were the best player on the field. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone having that, that many that many roles every week and every game. I did everything, man. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, my mom used to get angry. Um, she, she used to get on my coach all the time. And, and I, I go, Mom, why are you my, my coach? You're playing too much. But I was having fun, man. I, I didn't see it that way, right? I mean, I was just having fun, right? Well, so, I, I, I need to get back to you on this because I, I don't know if you shared it on this show uh -huh. or, or uh, just the fact that you, you wanted to be a punt returner at, at FSU. Ah. But, uh, but you, were, you were better at blocking punts than anyone Coach Bowden had ever seen. Well, let me say this. Let me say this. I was the best punt returner Florida State never knew about. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and and you know, and you know. So you remember Jack Stanton? Oh yeah. Oh, All right. Yeah. So Jack coached um, coached us two years in Atlanta, and so he was my coach at Florida State. He's a DB coach, and also he was the um, defensive coordinator. So as a freshman, Andrew, you know, and we had some great players. We had Bobby Jackson. And and and, Bob, and Bobby Jackson, um, he was kind of injured uh, his senior year. So he had like a hamstring pull that he was nursing the whole year. Mm -hmm. But we had a guy named Nat Terry who was like a 4-3-40. But I'm looking at them return punts. And Andrew, I was convinced I'm going to get this job. I was so convinced, right? right? And so one day, I mean, I'm going down there every day catching balls. So one day, Coach Stanton met me halfway before I can even get over there. He said, well, Bobby, I'm going to tell you right now. Ain't no freshman going to return punch from me. So he said, you might as well take your little, and he didn't say it quite so nice, take your little blankety blank on that end of the field and yeah. learn how to block kicks. So, Andrew, I look down there, and I see guys laying out. We had no pad. no. I mean, they were hitting the ground, face first. Bam! And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I went from, in high school, being a white-collar football player because I was a quarterback, so right. I never got contact in practice. Right. So when my, my, my freshman year in college, I'm a blue-collar player. So I'm in practice diving face first on the ground, trying to block punts. But, you know, it worked out. You know, when you put your heart into something and you, you just play hard, it works yeah. out. And, and to yeah. this day, I'm still exactly. the all-time leading block kicker in Florida State history. Exactly. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, <clears throat> and then the, la the last block punt the Falcons ever had prior to – Prior to this week against the Rams was was uh was you in 1990? Oh, 1990. That's crazy, right? I'm going like that. That can't be true. I, yeah. My buddies were texting me, and I'm going. That can't be true. I mean, that that's been a long time ago. That's oh, yeah. 32 years ago, Andrew. It goes by fast. Oh my gosh, 32 <laughs> years ago. 
but I, but I do I do believe Bobby that um, <clears throat> Florida State do not know what they missed in, in in not giving you a chance to return punts. Who who knows what what direction your career might have taken? But you know well, every, everything's got a reason. And, and I believe that Andrew. And, and here's what I believe: I believe the Lord knew better, and and I probably could have got hurt down the road somewhere because I only weighed in college, you know, 145 when I first got there, and then 155 when I got drafted. Oh my! So a lot of people don't know I was that small. But you know you couldn't get a big a, a lick on me, right. and so so I I blocked kicks my freshman year, and then in the spring of my freshman year, the end of my freshman year, I'm returning punts in practice during spring, and nobody could stop me. I mean every time I touch it in the spring, Andrew, I'm gone. Touchdown in the spring, I'm gone. Right? Yeah. And so I get hurt in the scrimmage right before my sophomore year in college. You know we had a major scrimmage the week before the first game, and I sprained my ankle. And so I couldn't return punts. And so they took me off of that. Mm. And then as a junior, I'm really, um, I'm on, I'm, and, and, and you know, I'm always a yes sir, no sir guy. Right. But when it came to returning punts, I was on Coach Stanton's behind every day. Huh. Coach, you need to put me back there. You know I'm the guy, I'm the guy, I'm the guy. Well, we got this. I said, Coach, you know they can't do what I do. And I, I'm just all the time, right? And, and I'm moaning so hard that he said this to me. I'll never forget it, right? He said, okay, okay, okay. If he don't do well in this game, we're playing the University of Miami at yeah. home. Yeah. He said, if Gary Hinder don't do good this game, I'll put you back there. And I was so happy, right? Because I thought, here it is. I'm getting ready to do it now. Well, Gary Hendry took one and put it in the end zone. He took another one and ran all the way down to the five-yard line. <laughs> so after that game, I, I didn't even ask Coach Stanton. I didn't even talk about it anymore. I said, well, I'm blocking kicks now. <laughs> wow. And so that's that's how that all ended. But, yeah, it's, that's, that's a true story. True story. That's amazing. I mean, and then you, <clears throat> you, you can't teach the, the vision and in, instincts that you have to have to, to, to return punts like you knew how to do. Well, I tell you, it was. A it might have been your protection. It might. It might have been God. It might have been my protection, but you know, it was a beautiful thing in high school. I excelled yeah. at it. Um, you know, it, it was just. I, I loved it. I loved it, and, and I didn't. You know, I loved that more than I loved kickoff returns. I didn't like kickoff returns, but I <laughs> love punt returns. Right. Yes. So, so anyway, so let's get back to you. Um, so we, you know, you you go to South Carolina. You had great. You you led your team in sacks. I think. It was, a, it was a school record. You had like 10 sacks in one season, something like that? Yeah. For, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, th those records have been broken, but yeah, for a little while. Right. Cool, man. I mean, that, that, I mean, you were getting after it. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, you know, when you look at, when you look at defensive linemen, right? Yeah. The guys who are rushing on the inside, it's harder for you to get sacks than guys on the edge. Mm. Would, would, you, would, would you say that? It. It can be, but I mean, I, I I was, you know, I won't even go into it, but the techniques that I used in college worked, mm -hmm. but, uh, but they did not work after college. Okay. All right. And, and, uh, but, but yeah, it is, is, um, yeah, you got to go through people on the you end. You got to go through people. And, and then yeah. I know you're a strong guy, so I'm quite sure you can manhandle those guys yeah. in college, but when you get to the NFL, everybody's bigger, right? And, and just as strong. 
Yep, bigger, great technique, longer bodies. You, you can't, they, they don't let you into their bodies. Exactly. Where when I was in college, <clears throat> I mean, looking back, I mean, we, we were, I mean, it was really crazy mm-hmm. that our, our number one technique, and we, we did it every, every down of every practice, mm-hmm. was to line up and take our helmet mm-hmm. and to, uh, to shock the offensive lineman with, with our helmet with as much velocity. Right. And, uh, as, as we can on every play, right? And uh, that that is not that's not how you play football. Not today, for sure. <laughs> no, and, uh, that's the that's the technique that I brought to Atlanta. Wow! And that and that all pro offensive line said this isn't going to happen. At, yeah, uh, yeah. At Falcons practice, well, I can't remember, and that's why they went out <clears throat> and they and they signed Ronnie Lee to uh, for. And so that that's who I had to line up over every practice. Wow. wow. If, you, if you're going to headbutt somebody, you need to headbutt Ronnie. Wow. That, that was one tough hombre. He ended up playing oh, what, 15 years in the league. A long time. A long oh, time. Goodness. Well, well, when you came in, you were right. I mean, our whole offensive line was basically all pros. You had Mike Ken. I guess Mike Ken was about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, maybe. How tall is he? Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Maybe 6'7". And, and he had those long arms and very athletic. Right. You know, he, he was a consensus all pro. You had R.C. Tillman, you know, the left guard who was an all pro. Mm-hmm. You had the old man, uh, Jeff, uh, playing center. He was an all pro, yeah. you know. Um, and then you had Dave Scott and you had uh, Warren Bryant on the, on the right side. And Junior Miller was the tight end, who was an all pro tight end at the time. Yeah, that, so, that, that was one of the most dynamic offenses uh, ever to line up. Ever. In, in the league. Ever. <clears throat> I'll never forget, and we had that brutal uh, running back back there, number thirty-one, from South oh. Georgia. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, William Andrews. And so, yeah, we we had a pretty good offense. We had a pretty good offense. Oh, so, I, all right, so when we talk about the culture, um, yeah. we talk about um, being a culture shock coming from college football to the NFL, right. um, and then you're playing with guys. You're on the offensive line. I think you came in. <clears throat> With um, the same year, Mike Pitts. Right. Yeah, and Mike Pitts was a first-round pick out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. He was a third-round pick from South Carolina, beefing the defensive line. And we had older guys like Jeff Yates. Jeff was on, was still with us at the time, right? Yep, yep. It had do, do, uh, dog and bone. Dog and bone. Jeff Merrill, bone, mm-hmm. and, and Jeff Yates was was, was dog. And yeah. you had we had um, Don Smith, yeah. right? Yep. yep. Don Smith. So man, those those were some old. <clears throat> right there. I mean, those guys right there, D- different yeah. kind of breed right there. <laughs> different breed. I mean, they they are. They are a hundred percent manhood, mm-hmm. all the way through. You right. you don't you, you don't mess with those guys. <laughs> uh, you, you you better be on their good side <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and, and and when they, and they may not have looked at sometimes in the locker room as far as uh elite athletes. Mm-hmm. But my goodness, when they put that helmet on, uh, I've I've never seen better defensive line play than, well, t- than those gonna, guys you just mentioned. I'm gonna tell you with Jeff Yates when I first saw him, right, and I'm looking at him, right. He's looking all tough and mean. He looked like a pirate. I mean, he got a scar from here all the way down the side of his jaw. Yeah. And then when I saw him running, I was like, he can't lift his leg. Right. You know, he, it's almost like he was dragging one leg like a pirate. You know, like he, like he didn't have a leg. But I tell you one thing, one one of the biggest hits I ever remember in my life 
we're in, it was your rookie year. We're up in the, playing um, the Redskins in Washington. And it was late in the game, but I remember um, they're giving the ball to John Riggins. And all of a sudden, I heard an explosion. Pow! And Jeff Yates, the dog, had hit him. And I'll never forget, he was face down in the dirt, man. He was face down with his eyes like shut like that. And then all of a sudden, he opened his eyes and he said, that's it for me today. He got off the ground and ran to the sideline. Yeah. We're talking about John Riggins, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't get t- tougher running backs than that. You don't get tougher running backs. But, you know, the guys we had, those guys really would hunt the ball. And you know, they were not great pass rushers. But they got, they're going to hit. They were very physical. And, you, know, very you, you turn the play in, they were going to be there. You're not going to be missing. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. So so for you, so what was the NFL like for you? I mean, you come in like that. It's a little cultural shock. But, you, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, this is a big stage, man, you know. And you're playing at, you're really playing at home. So what was that like for you? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I mean, it, it was a blessing and, and a privilege to be able to play in the state that I grew up in. <clears throat> and I, I had just gotten married right after I graduated from college. I, mm-hmm. I, I married uh, Angie and I. We're, we're newlyweds when, when we got to Atlanta. And uh, <clears throat> and um, I don't know. I, I, I think it was our first preseason game. We, we may have played the Redskins. Uh-huh. And I think I, I may have had one and a half sacks, and Mike Pitts had a couple of sacks. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, man, NFL is going to be easy. Gonna be easy. <laughs> We're going to get sacks every week. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I love it. <clears throat> but uh, um, but no, it, it was not. It was. I, I don't know if I saw one and a half sacks for the next two seasons. <laughs> yeah. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, I. I I ended up playing through injuries, just um, had, had a pinched nerve in my neck that first season, about four games in. Mm-hmm. And and Mike Zeely, a, a tackle, had just got, he had just gotten injured. Uh-huh. So I, I was th- up, up until Mike Zeely got hurt, I was going in with the uh, on passing downs. Passing situations, right. Just, I said, man, this is this is a way to make a living right here. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> and then he, Mike got hurt. Then I, I ended up being a full-time mm-hmm. uh defensive tackle but right. I mean my 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 neck would, would not let me I couldn't do the couldn't do the headbutt thing headbutt anymore. no more right absolutely <clears throat> and, and so and that was really a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because because of that I, I had to learn to play without using my head right and although it wasn't as effective as it was as in college I mean it's it uh I think I've been blessed to be a lot healthier now because of that absolutely Absolutely. See, it's amazing, man, the things that, you know, the things that um, uh, that happen and you, we think, well, the world is coming to an end or it don't work in our favor. I can't do this what I want to do. But when you look at the long picture, you know, it's like, oh, OK, now I'm happy that I, I wasn't able to <clears throat> able to do yeah. that. Yeah, but it was it was very intimidating initially being in that locker room with those older guys because they, they don't they don't accept you right away. Exactly. But, they're gonna they're gonna see where where your buttons will push, right? And everything, and so that, that's why I was I was so grateful for you mm-hmm. and, and for uh, Steve Barkowski and yes and White Shoes and and uh, yes, Steve, sir. Steve Stilling, yes sir, and that you know that that team Bible study, amen, uh, amen. That, that was that was my haven of of protection with with you guys. Awesome man. 
I, I, I'll tell you what, it's amazing, man. You know, it's, it's, it's just like this. It's like a relay, right? <clears throat> so, you know, my, my father's a pastor. So I, I was raised in the church, but I had no personal relationship with the Lord. You know, even when I came here. And, and, and you know, thinking about playing for Coach Bowden. And, and, I, and I couldn't understand, you know, what made me fall in love with Coach Bowden. And, 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 you know, looking back, he was a lot like my dad, right? Okay. And so I didn't know, I didn't see all that in the beginning, but, you know, Florida State was nothing. And I go there and then, you know, we start to rise. Um, and then I was drafted by the Falcons. And so the first day I was in camp, Markowski put his arm around me and said, Jesus loves man. Wow. And, 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 you know, you got to think about it. This guy's a face of the franchise. You know, he's a quarterback. I'm a former quarterback. And so, you know, just for him to love on me like that, it, it was special. Yeah. And, uh, but I still hadn't made a, a decision yet. And so, um, and then, um, you know, shoes start to minister to me. And Bo Robinson was another one to start to, you know, hit on me. Yeah. And, I forgot about Bo. He, he, was, he, was, <laughs> he was all business. He was all business. He was tough, man. I mean. Yeah. And his, his walk with God, he didn't play. He didn't play. And and then Wallace, you know, was on the team at the time. And so uh, so it was a great locker room, man. But I started going to Bible study and, you know, eventually, um, you know, I surrendered my heart to the Lord Jesus. And, and, and you know, and I, I in turn turned out to be the same guys they were, right? Yes, you were. You know, and so being a witness in the locker room and, you know, being that guy, mm -hmm. arms around guys, loving on guys, helping guys. You know, um, yeah. I mean, it, it was ministry. It, it really was ministry for me. I, yeah. I remember one day, Andrew, hearing the Lord speak to me so clearly in the locker room. One day. I was walking through the locker room. Yeah. And I heard this said to me. I didn't create you to win Super Bowls, to be an all pro. I created you to give glory to my name. And when I heard that, it changed my life. And so then I became all he wanted me to be in the locker room, right? That, that's powerful because I, I do believe that uh, if, if you would have been uh, with, with a, a different team, you, you may have been an all-pro. Mm -hmm. Could have been, yeah. And exactly. uh, you, you, you had to carry a lot on your shoulders mm -hmm. uh, uh, your, your time in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was, and then we went through that stage in, um, in 19, I don't know if you were with us then, 1988. You, you was, you, you had go to, you went to Denver in 88? Yeah. When were you in Denver? Okay. Yep. 88, that's right. 88, 89. 88, 89. And, um, you know, David Crudup passed. Oh yeah. That was hard. Oh, brother, brother, brother. You, boy, you just don't know how hard that was. You know, it's during the football season. He passed, and we had to deal with that. And then the next year, the following season in 1989, um, we had Ralph Norwood, who's a second-round pick out of LSU offensive tackle. He got killed in a car accident Thanksgiving night. My goodness. And right after practice, man, it was right after practice. And they didn't find him until the next day. You know, he was in one of those little ravines down there. My goodness. And then two weeks after that, we had a guy named Brad Beckman. 
tight end got killed in another car accident. And all this happened during the football season. And so you can imagine the morale on the team, man. You know, it really wasn't high, right? Wow. Nobody yeah. wasn't caring about winning any football games. Right. And then when right. you, you, you needed what, what like they do with, with schools and everything after a school shooting, you, you needed, you, you guys needed some uh, professional. We needed some professional help. Intervention. We, we did. We, we did. And, um, and of course we didn't get that. It was like all right, the next day we got to practice. Right. All right. And so we practiced and then we got the game. Right. And right. then right after that happened, well, right before uh, Brad was killed in a car accident, they fired uh, Marion Campbell as a head coach. And so all that happened within a month. We lost one guy. They fired Coach Campbell. We lose another guy. Man, it was not a good time. It was not a good time. And so, but anyway. Um, you were there for a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. It, and it was bigger than football. It, it was really, it was bigger than football. Right, it was bigger than football. So let's get back to you. So, so yeah. you, so after you leave Atlanta, you played in Atlanta. And, you know, we always, were, we were always rebuilding in Atlanta, man. It's like <laughs> every year, you know, and, and you mentioned it. You said it, you know, Dan Henning came in your rookie year. He mm -hmm. was a new head coach who was the offensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins, who had just won the Super Bowl. Right. right? So he, he got a promotion and got a head coaching job. Right. And, um, and next thing you know, Joel Williams is gone. Right. Our pass rush is gone. Right. And next thing you know, he started to get rid of guys and clear the old locker room out. And we, we're starting over again. Right. Right. So, it was really a team that, that wasn't broken. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's what I thought, right? Yeah, but, but, yeah, if, yeah. If 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 you had someone with that same, who wanted to run the same schemes, that was the problem. That was the thing. When you changed coaching, you know, you had a different uh, defensive scheme come in, new defense coordinator, and right. he changed he changed everything. And so, and then here we go, right? And then I think, if I'm not mistaken, long, I think it was a long, hard road. It was a long hard road because in '83. Um, when, when Dan came in, we changed everything. And then I think in 84, I think that's when they promoted John Marshall to defensive coordinator. That was the first year he ever became a coordinator. Okay. So that was an experience. And then in 85, he was still there. We went from that to the bullet scheme that the Chicago Bears was running. I don't know if you remember that. And that I remember, that. Right? I remember I, when we had so many guys hurt, we we were practicing in sweats. Absolutely. I believe Absolutely. that was the year. And, and uh, yeah, so we, we were we were going to be the Bears. We was going to be the Bears, right? <laughs> Without the personnel. <laughs> and, so, and so we go from that to we hired Marion Campbell as defensive coordinator, who was the head coach at the Eagles at the right. time. Right. But in 1986, he came as an offensive coordinator. We ran the 3-4 again, right? Right. And so we went back. And then, you know, that was a scheme I had to get used to in the very beginning because, you know, they had the corners line up 10 yards deep. And I'm like, I'm not lining up 10 yards deep. That's like safety depth, right? <laughs> I'm yeah. not 10 yards deep. Yeah. And so, and then, you know, Mara's a great guy, but if, if you got on his bad side, you know, he can make you feel real bad. So he went off on me one day because I didn't line up 10 yards. He oh said, if you don't line up 10 yards, you're not going to play for me. So, of course, I had to line up 10 yards. 
But then when I gave the, the defense an opportunity, and I start go, oh man, this is this is pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I learned so much from that staff. I learned because Fred Bruni was the um, DB coach, and he really taught me how to study film. Right, right. And 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 I tell you, that made the game so much fun for me at the time. Yeah, that was. I think that was the uh, <clears throat> the the four and zero start. The four and zero start. That's right. Eighty six. That's right. That's yeah. right. We had that start, and then everybody started getting injured. That's the year I broke my leg. And uh, broke my leg in a six game. And the day we tied with the 49ers in Atlanta, I broke my leg in that game. Wow. And was out for the season. And, and so it went downhill from there. But anyway, I mean, so so you had the opportunity to play with the older guys and all those coaching changes. Right. So in 1988, you were moved to the Denver Broncos. Right. A great franchise. <clears throat> right. A Super Bowl contending franchise yep. with John Elway on one side, and you just had Dennis Smith, strong safety on the defense, right? So mm-hmm. you had you had some guys, and so while you were there, y'all went y- y'all went to the Super Bowl one year, right? Uh, yeah, eighty nine. Eighty nine. What yeah. was what was that like compared to where you came from? Oh man, it, w- it was everything that I wish we could have experienced in in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, I, I mean, the, the city of Denver at that time pr- pretty much they revolved around their football team. Okay. And um, and 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 they had the the, the Nuggets too. So that they, they had some good. They had a good former Gamecock, uh, Alex English, with the Nuggets. Alex English, yes. Yeah. 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 See, you you and I know basketball because oh, you. Oh man, were, Alex English was a bad boy. Yeah. Because you remember, you, you and I were teammates on the offseason uh, Crystal basketball. Crystal Falcons. That's right. We played yeah. a lot of basketball. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, but um, that's funny. But it, but just the, just the, um, just the whole atmosphere out there was different. I mean, the whole city. It, and that, that's what I, I keep hoping that Atlanta would, would 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 be able to sustain at some point right. where, where the city embraces their team. It's just uh, where where there's just a culture where, mm-hmm. where uh, you know, th- th- this is this is our team. Absolutely. And, that, and that's the way it was out, out in Denver. And, and and they were way ahead out there as far as mm-hmm. um, sports talk radio and things like that. Right. That really didn't become full time in Atlanta until a few years later, but right. it, it was twenty four seven sports talk. I mean, every every detail about the Broncos, it, it was being broadcast. And broadcast, and and then they were supported, and and I, and I know you got to win to get supported, but they were really supported. You oh, know, yeah. I, I can remember during my time in Atlanta, a lot of times the sports rise and everybody they'll be killing us, man. <laughs> you know, it'd oh. be it'll be so negative in the press. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, never uplifted at all. Never gave us a chance to do anything. So, so it was tough. And, and I do understand when you say culture, when you have a winning culture, because in my hometown, football is king in Delray Beach, and you know we always won, and we were always in championship games, winning championships, playing in championships. And then I go to Florida State, and we were still climbing, you know, uh, at the top of the nation, fighting yeah. for it. And and then you come to Atlanta and you know for twelve years and you, you know you have I played on one winning team in twelve years. Think about that. <laughs> it's tough. Now, which year was that? 
That was 91. Now, the year before you came, we did go to the playoffs in the 82 strike season. But we ended up with a five and six record. Okay. All right. So we started out in 82, my second year, five and two. And during the strike, and then after the strike, man, we, we just lost every game. And we went to the first round of the playoffs. We were five and five going to the playoffs against the Vikings. And of course, we lost that game. The first year they opened the dome up in Minnesota. And um, uh, we ended up five and six. Okay. Yes. I didn't realize that. What, what was your record in 81, your, your rookie year? Our rookie year, we were seven and nine. Okay. But the year you're talking about is Buddy, Buddy Curry, uh, rookie year, and Junior Miller in 1980, they were 12 and four. Right. Okay. And um, really, in my opinion, um, and I wasn't even on the team at the time, I thought they had the best team in the National Football League. You know, being being in college and watching, you know, uh, Tallahassee is not that far from Atlanta, so we got a lot of a um, lot of their games, and so I thought they were very good. Um, but you know, no cigar. And then in 1991, that was my 11th year. Was that my 11th year? A 10th year. Um, 11th year. Um, that's when uh, Glanville and uh, MC Hammer and everybody was follow- following us around. Evander Holyfield. We had that too legit to quit uh, kind of theme going on. Right? It, it, it looked like a lot of fun. Listen, well, think about it. Jerry came back, and so you never played for Glanville. And so Glanville came back, and he's an energy guy. Yeah. He's always upbeat and very aggressive, defensive-minded um, um, coach. You know, he, he wants to blitz every down. He's going yeah. after you. He makes it fun. And yeah. so he's all the music blasting in the locker room, right? Yeah. So I couldn't even listen. I was I was an older player. I'm 32, 33 years old. <laughs> I couldn't even stay in the locker room. I had to go outside pregame and just because the music was too loud for me, right? But you you, you got MC Hammer in the locker room before the games, and he he was a fun guy. He'll he'll give every guy a dance. He said, now if you get in the end zone, this is your dance for the day. And he'll be MC Hammer be in the locker room dancing before the game, giving guys dances. End zone dancing, right? Yeah. It, it was it was great. Well, and, I, I'm so glad you, you got to have at least have a little bit of fun. We we did have fun that year. We really it was a lot of fun. That, that's great. amazing. I mean, that you went that many years and continued to to uh, develop your craft mm-hmm. and and assist the younger players and 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 be everything a coach would want uh, through through those types of of difficult seasons. Well, it was about ministry at that time for me. It really wasn't about playing. And so, and I think that's the difference, you know, because it was a different calling. Even though I was there playing, you know, I was content in, uh, in where I was because at the end, you know, in, in my 10th year, that's when they started to replace me on the field. You know, I was playing nickel. I was more of a coach, you know, just a team locker room leader, you okay. know, um, uh, me and Charles Collins, you know, do, doing the chapel stuff and, you know, my, I had responsibilities on the road with Chapel. And nice. Back then, the Chapel, the Chaplain never traveled with us back then. Okay. So, um, so he would give me responsibilities on the road to meet the speakers for Chapel, and you know, things like that. And so, it, it, it was really good. It was really good. And then just to be there for the guys, because one, one of the things I can remember, mm-hmm. Andrew, which which really blessed me, uh, it really blessed me, and, and I saw God move in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Um, the fact that how I remember being in the locker room and all of them were 
kind of like ridiculed me. And they called me, Dion gave me a nickname. And my nickname was Reverend Pressure. Okay. <laughs> they gave me a nickname, Reverend Pressure. And, and, and they'll always be mimicking like a preacher and, and Reverend Pressure, you know, and I, I laugh with them, right? Right. But I can't tell you how often they would call me in the middle of the night to pray with them. How about that? About their personal stuff. Because they knew they could trust me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it was it was all about ministry for me at the end. So it, it was a blessing to be there and see what God was doing. And, and he, he was he was doing some major things because I tell you, when I retired and I got in the workforce, <clears throat> um, Cyril called me one day and said, um, Dion called and left a message on the recorder. Yeah. And I go, well, what did he say? She, she said, I'm not going to tell you. I just wait till you get home. You need to just listen to it. Okay. And, and so I got home, and he left this message on the recording man and said, he said, Reverend Pressure, I, huh. need, I need you to call me. I got to tell you about my newfound faith in the Lord. Oh, my. And Andrew, I cried like a baby. I just cried and weep. Wow. You, you know, and so you see, you see how God was moving. Even when you think he's not moving, you know. Yeah. And Dion and I were really close. I mean, we were roommates and, you know, I just had a chance, the opportunity to speak into his life a, a lot. And so um, it, it was really good. It, it was really good. It was really wow. good. Yeah. So, well, listen, yeah. Also, let us know, what are you doing now? I know you went to school and um, um, what do you go to school for and, and kind of catches up with what uh, Andrew is doing today? Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I went back to school right right after um my last year in denver mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> I, I moved i moved about an hour south of atlanta down to fayetteville georgia okay and uh i, w- I was invited to by greg brazina to come greg Brzezina. yeah <laughs> well, I, yeah so i was with his ministry for about five years wow. and uh he, he and i both together <clears throat> the 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 distance learning degree was just becoming available. So we, we both did uh, uh, master's degrees in professional counseling. Wow. Through Liberty University. And um, because, you know, he, he had a, had a, a ministry that was really well respected, but he said, you know what, there pe- people, people need follow-up. They need counseling that they, they need, they need a, a, you know, a track to run on after, after they hear what we have to share. And, mm. And that was very uh, appealing to me because I, I needed to learn some things myself. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I could learn these things through this counseling degree Amen. and then help others also. Amen. So I did that. And then Greg ended up moving to, um, I think, uh, outside of Atlanta. To his ministry moved to Lake Oconee out near uh, Greensburg. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but my wife and I, you know, we, we ended up ha- having uh, n- nine children total. Amen. <laughs> yeah, we, we had several in diapers. So, I, you know, Greg, we can't move. We, we, we got to stay put. And, uh, so I, I ended up as a um, as as an adjunct counselor at, at different churches around Atlanta and counseling centers and mm-hmm. just doing uh, uh, different types of uh, Christ-centered counseling. And, and then... Um, it was um, you, you mentioned Charles Collins, uh-huh. who was the Falcons chaplain for tw- 25 years. And it sounds like when you were there, you were co chaplains. Yes. At Charles and Bobby. <laughs> he was my guy. <laughs> yeah. But um, <clears throat> but it was uh, 
January, February of 2012, uh, Angie said, you know what, my, my wife, Angie, and, and, and by the way, every time my wife, Angie, he, hears the names Bobby and Sarah Lynn, <laughs> her, her, her face just lights up. And, hey, uh, the same with us too, man. <laughs> but yeah, but she said, Andrew, this, this, this whole thing of you traveling around to these churches, uh, counseling at all these locations, this is... Um, this is re really starting to wear you out, and, and it's and it's not really a, a good fit for our family because right. we had a lot going on with our raising our children. <clears throat> and, and I said, well, let's let's um let, let's kneel down right, right here and let's let's talk to the Lord. I said, Lord, would you make it so clear <clears throat> what, what what you would like for me to do? What what would be best for our family? Make it so clear it'd be like a hit in the face. Yeah, Just make it evident. And then Angie opened her eyes and said, you make sure uh, to tell the Lord that's your request, not mine. <laughs> she said, I don't, I don't want God hit, hitting me. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, oh, that's awesome, man. but, but it, it became, it, it was really quite a, that hit in the face was, was hit hard because it was a, a few days later, I got a call. And it, it was one of uh, Charles Collins' stepdaughters. Mm. And because uh, I saw his name on, on my, you know, caller ID. And I thought, okay, you know, this, this would be a good pick-me-up. Talk, right, right. talk uh, to Charles. I you know, and, 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 and she she shared that he had just been killed that the night before. Yeah. Wow. And, 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 you know, and I'm, I'm sure when you heard it was, you could hardly take it in. It was a blow. Yeah. And, um. And so as Angie and I were processing that, she said, she said, Andrew, I believe that um, <clears throat> you, you prayed for a hit in the face. And she said, mm -hmm. I can't think of anything apart from losing a family member yes. that, that would hit harder than this. And, right. and she said, all, she said, all these years we, we've been married. And I think we've been married uh, close to 30 years by in mm -hmm. 2012. <clears throat> she said, I've never been willing to be a part of a ministry where you have to go raise, raise your support like a, like right, a ministry. Right. Mm -hmm. She said, um, "She said, I, I believe the baton is being passed, and I, I think you need to, you, you need to take it from Charles. And if athletes in action, which is who he served with, uh -huh. will will let us serve in Atlanta." She said, "You have my blessing Amen. to serve." Because she said, I, "I can't think of anywhere you'd be happier than right. than working with football and athletics right. and and, and, uh, and mm -hmm. your faith." Mm -hmm your relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I had to go online to see if athletes in action still existed. <laughs> and sure enough, they, they had a website and I, and I, uh, and I got on the website and, and sent them an email saying, Hey, I'd be interested in applying. And they, yeah. they got right, right back with me. And, and, yeah. and this, this is 10, 10 years. I, I've been serving in Atlanta with. Uh, yeah. athletes in action. I tell you what, man, you know, AIA has been a great ministry over the years. I, I can remember going down to Daytona Beach with Charles and, you know, with a group of guys and um, uh, we'll get down there and we'll play basketball during spring break on the, on the, on the beach in Daytona Beach and witness the kids at the same time. Right. And, and it was amazing that kids would give their life to the Lord. You know, they're down there on spring break, you know, to have fun and then they meet Jesus. They, they, they didn't know what was coming. On their road to Damascus, right? <laughs> I tell you, man, it, it, it was so much fun, man, just to see that. And then to meet other um, athletes, like Frank Wright uh, was another guy that we met through um, Charles yeah. Athletes in Action. Yeah. Uh, ministered on the beach in Daytona Beach. So it, 
Mm -hmm. Unbelievable, man. Just an unbelievable experience. Unbelievable experience. Man, that sounds like you, you, you had some, you had some cherished memories with, with Charles. Well, well, I, I tell you, I, I've been learning so much. And, and believe it or not, Andrew, I'm in school right now. I'm in school right now. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, That's wonderful. I'm in seminary school right now at, at um, Luther Rice. Man. And so, well, you, you still look young enough to be a, to be a college student. <laughs> hey, Andrew, I don't know what I'm doing, man. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing when I got books that look like this. This thing. Oh my goodness! What what is that about? The cradle, the cross, and the crown. Oh my goodness! New introduction to New Testament. So we'll talk. We'll talk about that, my man. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm in it, and, and you know, at my age, I think it's too late, but it's not too late. You know, it's it's in God's timing, and um, anything to do to get closer to Him, you know, and um, I'm excited where I am right now. I'm 63 year old, 63 years old, and I'm just excited, man. <laughs> yeah, that is exciting. And there, there were a lot, men and women a lot older than you that were called to ministry in, in, yeah. in the Bible. Amen. A lot older, right? A lot <laughs> older in the Bible. That's right. That's right. So, but anyway, I know they they lived a lot longer back then. But, they did. They did. And but, so, um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah. God, God, I can't wait to see what He's going to continue to do through you. Hey, man, I'm excited, you know. And so someone asked me, well, what, Bobby, what are you doing? I said, I'm just getting ready. Getting ready for what? Whatever he wants. <laughs> Whatever it is, yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready. So so that's my deal. Before we end our show today, we'd like to mention one more time, this show is presented by Bet Online. So look, man, thank you for being on the show, man. That, we, we, we about run up on our hour. Okay. And, um, but I need, to, I need to take you to lunch, though, so, so you can share oh, with me the rest we, of we need to do, we we need to do that one day and um let's I'll do it soon. Me. Let's do it soon before it gets too cold. Because huh. I'm still a Floridian, you know, right? <laughs> I don't like hey. the cold weather. Same here. Savannah, Savannah stayed nice and humid. You're a beach boy too, that's right. You're a yep. beach boy, basically, right? Exactly. And so yes, sir. So so listen, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for, for visiting with us tonight. This is our legend segment. And tonight, man, we had the great Andrew Province. Strong man of God, uh, former teammate, just a great guy, great family. Angie, say hello to Angie for us. And, and Sarah Lynn uh, also. Hey, and audience, know that Bobby Butler is the true legend. I, oh, I'm, man, get out of here. I'm just, I'm just on so I can spend time with <laughs> Well, it's, it's my pleasure to be with you, brother. God bless you. Peace. What is your favorite moment from football history? What teams and players are you cheering on? And who will win it all? We want to hear from you, our listeners. Head over to 100 Yards of Football Sports Talk Radio's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch and leave us a comment. We might use your suggestion in an upcoming episode. Tune in daily to the podcast and watch our show live every week. We are 100 Yards of Football Sports Talk Radio on the Believe Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. 
Granger, for the ones who get it done.